Hello and welcome back to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Tennessee Pre, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're like me and you want that focus boost in your training without the caffeine crash, then Tennessee Pre is the pre-workout for you. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who do you ill is a vital part of my training, and you can head over to any of their Instagram pages to get some products. This evening, I'm sitting down with Briani Terry, a two-time, all-time world record holder, Animal Pack team member, and one of the fastest-growing female names in the powerlifting industry. You don't want to miss a single minute of this episode as we talk powerlifting and mental health, positive affirmations, and the world-famous dumb bitch juice. So sit back, relax, and let's dive on in. Brianni, what is going on? Uh, not a whole lot, you know, just here hanging out with you. Um, yeah. Podcast, some questions, kind of nervous, but. That's good. That's good. We'll, we'll, we'll get all the brutal questions out of the way on the front end. Okay, you sure. know, all the influences, all the negative things that have crippled you into joining the sport of powerlifting. Oh, so much adversity. God. Uh, you know, adversity, how you've overcome it all. Have you jumped over all the mountains and hurdles that life's thrown at you? <laughs> um, well, so, you know, for those that, that don't know who you are, I just wonder, you know, how in the world did you get into the sport of powerlifting? I know there's some people ha- have genuinely had, you know, a thousand years of trauma in their life that forced them under a bar. Some people just really have a weird energy towards getting under a bar. They kind of hate themselves. So I wonder where and all that you kind of fit in. How'd you get started? Oh, God. Um, so I started lifting when I was probably about 16. Um, my dad was in the military, so he was obviously very like fit, always worked out, always lifted weights. Um, so I started going to the gym with him when I was about 15, 16. Um, and then when I was about 17, he joined CrossFit and I always like doing like the boot camp work class, workout classes and like torching myself until I, you know, wanted to die. Of course. And so I decided to start um, doing CrossFit. I got really good. I did that for about three years. Um, and then I started kind of injuring myself, you know, as that kind of happens. With Classic. I love that. Exactly. Um, shoulder injuries from like butterfly pull-ups, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I found myself uh, liking the Metcons less and less, but like the only lifting and heavy lifting uh, more. So I would like stay after class and do like heavy back squats and things like that. And at the time, I didn't even know that um, powerlifting was even a sport. Like I had no idea. Right. Um, and so after I injured myself and stopped CrossFit, I did like a bodybuilding bro split for about a year. And then I would say in October, around October of like 2017, I figured out what powerlifting was. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is cool. I can just do the big three lift heavy. That's exactly what I want to do. Sprinkle in some bodybuilding accessories. Awesome. Um, so I, found out about it and like, yeah, summer of 2017, whatever, and signed up for my first meet in December of 2017. And I didn't even like prep for it. I did like a basic five, three, one split. I was Mm -hmm. in Mexico like the week before, like I didn't, I had no idea what an actual prep. Um, 
And I always liked the idea of competing, but not necessarily me, especially when it came to CrossFit. So mm-hmm. I just signed up for my first meet. I think I totaled like, I don't know, like 864. Something <laughs> right. Like, like, um, and I fell in love with it. And ever since then, I've been powerlifting. So yeah, it's been like two and a half, over two and a half years now. So yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I mean, since then, you've gone from, you know, totaling 860 something to breaking world records. So you've made a, a decent level, you know, of progression over the last two and a half years or so. What has that been like, even seeing yourself joining this completely new sport that obviously a lot of people kind of that time were just hearing about yeah. and finding so much success so quickly? Um, You know, it, it's been super cool. I feel like, I mean, I've said this time and time to people have asked me before, like, I feel like it's happened so fast. I haven't even had a chance to really like soak it in yet. So now that like quarantine has happened, I've had a little bit like my, like the current that I was prepping for earlier this year got pushed back to a later day. I was finally able to like reflect on the things I've done in a very short amount of time. And it's, it's honestly insane. I don't know how I did it. I still don't. (laughs) Obviously like hard work, consistency and things like that, but I never, in a million years thought I would get to the level that I'm at in such a short period of time. Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually probably the first time I know we, we've got a mutual friend who was on the podcast before. So if you're listening to this, make sure you check out Andrew Lawrence's uh, episode um, before he'd even really mentioned who you were. I think that was the first time I probably saw you lift was at the current. I yeah. was sitting uh, at a, I was a missionary kid uh, at, in school at Liberty and they were doing like a final graduation thing last year. And I really didn't want to pay attention to what it was. And I knew the current was going live. Yeah. So I'm sitting there in this back of this huge auditorium while all these people are walking up to graduate. And I'm like, Oh, cool. People are lifting. And so I'm watching this live stream. So I remember when you first broke um, that world record and just, I think the sheer excitement of you just kind of being like, holy crap, I've never seen someone lose their minds like that. So I wonder if you just relive that moment a little bit. What was running through your head, you know, at that moment? Oh, dude, I'm such like an emotional lifter. Like I, I never get angry. I just, I get inside my head a lot. I second guess myself a lot. Um, but like, I, <laughs> I literally remember, and I've watched back that video, like on the stream, like a million times. Of course. Like my heart starts racing whenever I watch it. Mm-hmm. But I saw a video that a friend had recorded for me that's on my phone. And I remember walking up to the platform and <laughs> I can just hear Gracie V behind me like, don't fucking drop that. Yeah. <laughs> I have this like terrifying woman. I mean, she's super nice to me. She's great. But just having her like yell in my ear, like when I'm about to go for my third attempt, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, <laughs> I better get this. I can't miss this. Yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, it was like a very surreal moment i knew after my second attempt like i seriously have a shot and my coach at the time like he knew i could get it i didn't i had no i hadn't really no idea what was loaded on the bar at the time so yeah it was it was insane (laughs) yeah it was insane well well i wonder even if we jump back all the way back to that first competition i asked rob philippus this a few days ago because i think this is a really interesting question to ask people I wonder if you can even re-envision what it was like to take your very first squat attempt, not even like the whole day of competition, but your first lift ever on a platform, having to deal with commands, Mm -hmm. what's running through your head? You know, that first meet, I, I was nervous, but I was nowhere near as nervous as I am now when I compete. Like I am a total head case. I can't get my shit together ever. I have to 
put in headphones and not like look any at anybody for a while. Right. Um, the first time that I competed, I was just kind of just happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where's my participation award? I'm just glad yeah. to be here. I didn't have it together all. I forgot my singlet. I had to borrow somebody else's. Like it was it, yeah, it was it was horrible. It was I actually still have videos from my first meet and I refuse to post them. <laughs> you just don't want the world to even know it happened. <laughs> yeah. But like looking back on that day, I was just there to have fun. Whereas nowadays nowadays I feel like I mean, in the grand scheme of things, nobody really gives a fuck about powerlifting. Like, but at, when I'm at meets or like even in my training now, I just get I care a little bit too much about what others might think or like. Sure. You know, you'll get DMs or comments from people who are supporting you. Like, I can't wait to see you do this, that, and that. And then it's like, well, fuck, I can't wait for me to do it either. <laughs> like, right. I don't. Right. Think I can so I? I definitely get in my head a lot more now, but it's better as. Once I feel like once I get like that first squat out of the way, it's it's fine. You you can get into the groove of things. You're used to what the judge is going to do. That's good. Yeah. Well, so beyond all of the basic questions that you've now been asked thousands of times by every single person that's ever DM'd you, you know, I know you very frequently use this hashtag. Nobody cares. Work harder. And you know, we're in a sport. I, I say sport. Some people would still even argue that because all it is is standing up, sitting down, picking stuff up, pressing something off your chest. But at the end of the day, no one cares, you yeah. know? So I wonder if you can just talk into that. What I don't want to say, it sounds harsh to say, when did you realize no one cares about you? But like in that, like, I wonder if you could just go into that a little bit. Um, so nobody cares work harder. And I kind of like, I didn't invent the saying, obviously, uh, but of course. It, that's really resonated with me because, I mean, like you said, in the grand scheme of things, like nobody gives a fuck like about what I'm doing or or about really powerlifting in general. It's still a very small sport, but um, I found that, I mean, I still do now, but I found that very early in my powerlifting career. I mean, obviously, social media is a huge part of powerlifting now. Um, so I always get caught up in like what this person's doing and how come this person's maxing out all the time or training heavy all the time. And like the way I train is very submaximal. So I don't have like impressive lists to post all the time and, and things like that. But in the grand scheme of things, like, again, nobody cares because the only thing that really matters is when you can actually perform on the platform. So that's kind of how I think about it. And I mean, nobody's going to give a fuck what I squatted in 10 years. So it's like, sure. You know, <laughs> sure. I do yeah. Fun. Well, it, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like your last competition, you know, at, uh, at Reebok record breakers, you're like, Hey, this was the shortest lived deadlift record of all time, <laughs> you know, because you're like, this is great. And then it's broken immediately afterwards. Dude, Christy, she whooped my ass. It was cool though. Cause like the first time that I broke the record was like in front of her. And I remember I competed at record breakers the year previous in 2018. And that's the first time I met her. And I was like talking about like what I want to do. And she's like, you know, good job. You know, you're going to do this, this and that. And then five months later, here I am breaking her record in front of her. She's judging it. And like, it was just surreal like that because she's someone that I've looked up to in, in the powerlifting world for, I mean, since I started, you know, she was one of the first people that I followed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, to take someone's record while they're the one judging the fact that you're taking their record, it's, that's, that's gotta be tough feeling even on her end of just being like, damn, well, <laughs> I guess I got to go break that again. Yeah. I like, uh, I thanked her at the end. And I remember her saying, she's like, I almost red lighted you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just so I could say you didn't break it. 
yeah, but it, it was cool. She's super, she's super nice. That's awesome. Well, well, yeah. So, you know, you, you kind of mentioned we are, it is a sport that's so Instagram centric. And I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm 22. Like we, I mean, I grew up in the whole social media phase. We grew up on Snapchat, on Instagram, now TikTok, even though I feel old if I'm ever on it. Um, for like an hour or two sometimes it's so bad and then you don't realize it's been two hours then you look and you're like oh damn it like i did it again i'm like almost uninstall it but i'm like i'm not gonna do it (laughs) there's too much funny shit on there there is but then you've also got you know the 15 year old thirst traps that's like "Ah, i don't like that this is i don't (laughs) like this at all (laughs) my friends back are like is that a kid i'm like it's i didn't it's a for you page i don't know man (laughs) seriously no that's just Uh, but, you know, we are in just such an Instagram center world. And so I think we, we can get these lifters who are lifting purely so that they can post it online. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty much just working out so they can post it online, as opposed to then going onto the stage and actually Perform. competing and actually performing. Yeah. So what, what has it been like for you? I mean, I, I know you say you kind of work more at a submaximal level, but of balancing that, because obviously there is also we, we're all obsessed with ourselves at a core level. So to fight that urge of just being like, Hey guys, look at me and actually just working to perform. Uh, yeah. Like I think that, I mean, every lifter is different, you know? Um, but I feel like me, um, training more submaximally has been better for like my longevity. It's been better for consistency. And like, I always blow up the platform versus training. Like, for the open, uh, the heaviest weight I ever pulled before the open was 518 pounds. Yeah. And I pulled 558, you know, damn near 560 at the meet. So I don't know. I personally like training a little bit submaximally. I do eventually maybe want to do like some conjugate training, but I just feel like my body would get so beat up. <laughs> so I know I'm, I'm good right now with the, with the submax stuff. You don't want to start just taping your body together and doing box squats with equipment holding you together. Yeah, not, dude, absolutely not. Eventually, maybe I'd like to do like something in single ply just for fun, but I'm sure. No, no discredit to like multiply geared lifters, but like I don't know. I just think if if you can't lift it raw, like yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I got you. And I, and I know there's a few people who have reached out who are single ply multiply. So we're not hating on you guys, but at the same time, lift it raw. So yeah. <laughs> I love to hold 400 pounds, you know, above my, above my head in a shirt. Like, yeah, that's fun. But also I'd rather just lift it myself. <laughs> well, I think of Bill Gillespie um, who, you know, obviously holds like, the second all-time world record of, of anything for bench or like a thousand fifty-six pounds. Some absurd. That's of course in multiply. I just can't even imagine lifting that. No, like, it's amazing in itself to see someone, you know, bench a thousand or have like twelve hundred pounds on their back. That is fucking insane. Twelve hundred pounds on your back is still twelve hundred pounds on your back. But yeah, I've just never been interested in myself doing it personally. And I don't really pay attention to any geared lifters. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's just a branch of the sport I just don't know that much about. So maybe that being said, upcoming season, I'll just have to commit to learning from multiply lifters. But yeah. that's not what I'm about quite yet. To, um, one of these guys who used to be a power lifter, he's like, I don't know, in his 50s. And he's saying what how raw lifters look at geared lifting is how geared lifters used to look at raw lifters. Like back yeah. when I was very young. So it's, it's funny how 
trends change over time. It's the flip flop. But yeah. um, well, so you know, I've chatted with this with a couple of different people before, um, and kind of as I touched on at the very beginning, a lot of people can join powerlifting because it's an outlet for them. It's an opportunity for them to to channel nervous energy, anxiety, depression, um, PTSD in, in an you know appropriate and efficient way. And so I wonder. You know, how have you managed to balance mental health uh, and becoming more stronger mentally along with your own lifting as well? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Which is a tough question for sure. Well, I mean, the gym has always been kind of an outlet for me. Uh, personally, whenever I'm stressed, sad, whatever, I just go and train. Um, it kind of gets my mind off of it. Um, I would say I haven't had many like mental health. I mean, I've dealt with, you know, depression, anxiety for sure. Um, but a lot of it has been for me personally, like the way I see myself and my body image. Um, I used to have a horrible body image. Like I would, I remember being like 12 years old and crying because I felt fat, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so now that I've kind of embraced, I guess being a little bit of a bigger individual, whatever, uh, like I'll never be 120 pounds. Like that's sure. going to happen. Um, I've kind of embraced lifting heavy and I've, for the first time in like years, I feel confident in the way I look. I can look in the mirror finally and not be disgusted. Like, of course I have my bad days, but, um, it's, it's been a struggle, but I feel like I'm, I'm getting better as time goes on. I mean, um, when I first kind of started, uh, gaining a little bit of weight when I was like a year or so into powerlifting, I had, kind of not diagnosed eating issues like eating disorders, but definitely kind of disordered eating, just being in a weight class based sport and like worrying about, you know, being X amount of pounds over my weight class while still remaining, you know, competitive. So, um, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I literally, and and as you were talking, I pulled this up because you literally, this is why I wrote this down. You literally said, what is this like two weeks ago? I don't know where all this self-confidence came from, but I'm just going to keep going with it. Yeah, that, yeah. Th- that it was, it was, it was, it looks like it's kind of been a shift for you where you're like, Hey, you know what? I'm strong as fuck. And you know what? I'm proud of myself. And so I wonder what, when did you, I, I feel like there's a turning point for a lot with it. When did you start shifting from, I hate myself to damn. All right. I'm figuring something out here. Um, I'd say probably the beginning of this year. This is probably like, now I probably I can for sure say like I am the happiest I've ever been. Um, I've surrounded myself with a lot of good friends. I'm meeting new people constantly. Um, I've been traveling a lot. Um, I just I'm living my life for me and not for anybody else. And I think also like not like again living my life for me. I'm not checking on what so and so is doing. I I'm on my phone less. Like now I have a little timer on my Instagram app that tells me like, Hey, you got there an hour to get off. Um, just kind of putting myself first and not worrying about that. Staying on top of my nutrition, doing things because they make me feel good. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously we say Instagram is a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we post what we want people to see. We're showing people the highlights and our best lifts. And every once in a while, if we want their compassion, we post something purposely self-deprecating. So they're like, oh my gosh, queen, you look so good. You know, in your head, you're like, fucking got him. But like, 
I, I wonder what does it look like, you know, throughout the monotony of when you're not showing people when you are in those dark places to continue to build that character and build that that training style. Um, I would say a big part of it for me has been taking a lot of my attempt time and attention away from social media and mm. again living my life and creating more meaningful relationships with the people around me and spending time with them and less just looking at other people living their lives that makes sense yeah so yeah, yeah no I, and and that's good and i wonder obviously i'll you know i'll be the classic interviewer and have you flesh it out a little bit more but you know I think even in my own life, you know, I'm, I'm someone I've lived overseas. I've kind of been in a, in a family that, that hasn't necessarily been perfect just because of that. You know, my sister's being 4,000 miles away from me for pretty much all my, my teenage years, you know, that there's a, there's a lot of formation there of like being forced to grow even through like the personal trauma um, that, that people aren't going to see that because I'm not, I'm not going to post that online and be like, Hey, my favorite part of today was when I sat in my room and cried in the corner for like 35 minutes. But but there's character growth in that. And so I wonder, you know, what is there without without getting ultra personal, but like what is there for you that's really been those defining moments that's helped you build that character so much? Um losing people I've cared about, um taking accountability for my own actions and kind of sitting back and realizing why this did or didn't happen, um, recognizing my part in it and like taking full responsibility for that um giving overdue apologies things like you know even when they aren't warranted things like that and just taking accountability and being super honest has been very important to me lately and I feel like being honest with myself and not sugarcoating things has helped me grow very very fast and like yeah (laughs) accountability and being honest and creating more meaningful relationships with those around me um, and living in the moment has definitely been a very large part of my personal growth in the past, you know, six, seven months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and obviously we've all been in quarantine. We've all been pretty limited in, in what we can do. So I think for a lot of people there, yeah. yeah, like a whole lot of time. And so for a lot of people there, they're kind of they're being forced to face a lot of stuff that maybe they they weren't addressing because it's easy for us to be busy. For powerlifters, it's easy to go spend most of your week in the gym or training with people or being focused on a competition. But when those competitions are canceled, like the current nationals, worlds, like when stuff shut down and you're sitting on your couch and you're like, damn, like I've just watched seven seasons of The Office in the last week and a half. And now <laughs> – like, you know, am I actually an athlete? I don't know if I'm still in the same sport. So I've had so many of those moments. <laughs> I think we all, I think probably everyone listening has, whether they're going to admit to it or not. Um, but, but you would say even probably, this has probably been a really good time for you in, despite all of that. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I've, I mean, even throughout quarantine, I've still had places like my training hasn't really been interrupted, um, which I'm very thankful for. But I think that, um, I don't know. I think in some ways the Kern being postponed and like my whole meat prep being canceled was probably good for me um, in a sense that I was actually able to take off the pressure of having to prepare for something and having to, having to show people that, you know, I'm still, I guess, relevant for lack of a better word, yeah. um, still good in competition. Um, 
But at the same time, I feel like that was also very bad for me because I had all of these goals and I wanted to, you know, break another world record before I turned 24. So now I'm out of the junior category. So that's, mm-hmm. um, and I think I was a, a lot more sad about it being canceled than I initially let myself think. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, I had time to, you know, live my life. I had time to not worry about a weight cut. I can finally like look at food now without it, <laughs> right. it being a complete numbers game. You know, like I, I can enjoy a beer and you know, I don't feel too guilty about it. Um, now I'm starting to kind of gear back up so I can get back and meet prep for the Kern and hopefully do something cool, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. You mentioned, you know, now you're able to have a beer. So <laughs> <clears throat> this is the, the unspoken side of powerlifting that I think most powerlifters really, really do love their alcohol. And I know in your story yesterday, and I've seen it before, you're, you're panning over, you know, this, what looks like a great deal of food. And then a container just says dumb bitch juice on it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like, I kind of want to swipe up and ask about it. I'm like, I'm just going to ask about it on that episode. Dude, what the hell is dumb bitch juice? Dumb bitch juice is just a concoction of liquor and uh, sugary ass juice. So, but I made a mistake. So in that dumb bitch juice, it was a half gallon of Bacardi. Uh, a fifth of Malibu. Everyone has had a like a Malibu stint, you know. Of course, I had to bring it back. Yep. Uh, there was like fresh guava juice and like a bunch of like fruit in there. So okay, that's really strong in itself. Great, whatever. So I had the amazing idea to give it like you know five six second pour of the dumb bitch juice poured over ice and then add a truly to it. Oh, of course, naturally because it wasn't enough alcohol the first time. Naturally, you know. Uh, so yeah, after about two or three of those, you were, you were a dumb bitch. So, yeah. So essentially, is this like the, the Terry jungle juice? Is this your own kind of take on it? I take it. Exactly. Uh, I don't recommend it, but it's a lot of fun. Yes. If you're prepping for a competition and you're trying to dehydrate yourself in time for a bodybuilding comp, this is, this is for you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So, well, what, because I know everyone's asking it, what are the origins? When did you first discover, man, this is, this is what I know is the one, this is the one, this is my specialty. This is what I'm going to be known for. Uh, It's mostly because outside of training and like when I'm taking my training, like super seriously, AKA in prep, I am a complete degenerate. So. Yeah, no, it's good. I think we all are early twenty somethings. It's yeah. There's, there's nothing else to do. You realize you're not worth anything outside of powerlifting. Yeah. So we all, you know. <laughs> How fast can I get drunk? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, kids, don't try this at home. Uh, if if you're under twenty one, uh, don't drink. If you're over twenty one, drink responsibly. But if you're not going to, drink dumb bitch juice. Yeah. Uh, th- that's the advertisement for this episode. This is sponsored by Dumb Bitch Juice. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you suffer this. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you're going to go do. What is it? Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. It is five o'clock here. It's not right. five o'clock there. But you know what? It's it's the summer. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, after my birthday, I won't be drinking for a while. I scarred myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's too much in one week. You, you compile all the alcoholism into one week and then the other 51 weeks, you have to take it easy. Yeah, exactly. Like I uh, drinking for like 13 hours straight. Not fun. No, no, it's not. It takes me. Yeah, it brings back bad memories. We'll we'll move on. <laughs> well, you know, I know the <clears throat> the current has been rescheduled to the week before Thanksgiving or the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, what uh, if if you're not scared of tabooing yourself by doing this? What is what are the hopes? What are the dreams? What are the goals for the current? 
Oof. The hopes for the Kern would be like a 1450 total. So that's somewhere around like a 550 squat. I want to hit like a 303 bunch, uh, 303 bench. Uh, bench has always been like the one I get the most in my head about. And I always mm-hmm. should like, I've only gone two for three uh, at every competition I've done. And that's my best. Uh, so have I. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, just, all of them. <laughs> third hits, I just, I don't know what it is. I just get too scared. Um, but that's how I've always been with bench. And then deadlift in a perfect world. I would like to hit a 600 deadlift. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, would you say that all of those are very manageable goals for you to hit? Yeah, if I stay healthy, for sure. I mean, I've been dealing with a little bit of issues here and there, um, but I'm working closely with my chiropractor, um, my coach, Jaffe, and we're kind of doing some workarounds, and I feel pretty good for the most part. Um, so it's just staying healthy, staying consistent, and hopefully getting my world record back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take it. It's, it's going to be consistent over the next three years. I was just see King of the list. They, Oh, world record goes to hurt, goes to hurt. It's just going to yeah. flip back and forth in the next five years. Dude, like the 165 class now is absolutely stacked. Like it's the worst class to be in. It's insane. Yeah. So. Well, if you want to switch to male and then go to like 125 kilos, I hear we're doing pretty great. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of wanted, we'll see how everything goes after the current. I've kind of, been in kind of a not i enjoy my training now but i've been kind of in a slump because i'm used to competing like two to three times a year um so now that i have it it'll be a a little over a year since my last meet so it's kind of just getting back into it but i'm hoping to do one to two more meets at 165 and then possibly i mean i won't be weighing 181 i'll probably be a light 181 but hopefully going after um cc's deadlift record but I have, to, I have to hit the 600 first at 165. Yeah, of course. Well, I, I won't tell her that you're going for it. If she hasn't made it this far into the episode, I, I, won't, I won't tell her anything. Um, it's insane. Well, you know, as, as you prep for competitions, and I definitely know this is another competitor, you know, there, this has kind of been the theme of these last three episodes has kind of been this positive affirmations mm-hmm. um, that we are, you know, a generation of intentional self-deprecation. But all the a daily basis, wake up. Oh, my existential dread's horrific today. You know, it's just the regular, you know, day. Um, You're just like, fuck. All right, we're doing cool. Yeah, say, oh, we're back at it again. I can't wait to go back to sleep in 12 hours, you know. Um, but, you know, there is that, – that really can weigh on you. Like even outside of the comedy, like if you say stuff too much, you're going to start believing it. So, you know, especially as you prep for competitions, what does it look like for you – even in kind of that self-love positive affirmation mindset to even get yourself in the right mindset to, to engage in relationships, work, school, uh, and competition. So when I'm in prep, it's definitely hard to balance all of that. Yeah. Um, past preps, I've seriously gotten in my head and not, you know, made enough time for my family or my friends or whoever, whatever the case may be. Um, but I haven't really had any negative self thoughts lately uh just because i do believe positive affirmations have worked really well uh for me especially in the, in the past half you know six months um so i try to like take care of myself as much as i can um make sure that i'm properly hydrated fueled whatever uh but making lists have been very very huge for me lately um i find that whenever i have a list and whenever i have a to-do list i kind of i get motivated by checking those things off um, so just making sure I make a list every day, 
um, I keep myself accountable for the things that I have to do, then everything kind of falls into place. And when I'm on top of it, like everything goes to plan. So, and having like, especially my training, like having a coach that I'm able to, you know, text right away whenever things go bad or when things are going really good. So I can kind of auto-regulate. I have the freedom to auto-regulate by myself. So that kind of makes it a little bit easier too. Yeah. You know, I, I think back to last year um, at the Arnold. It was before my, my first competition was in March and it was like a week before I'm like meeting everyone. And it, it's that early like fangirl stage. You know, when you first start competing, you're like, oh my God, like Arnold Schwarzenegger walked past and like waved at me. And I think I almost fainted. I was like, this is the great, like God has shined his light upon me. Like this is, you know, but it's easy to put athletes up on pedestals, you know, it's, and it's easy to idolize ourselves even as we compete and kind of being like, holy shit, I just did that. Like that PR, like nobody can touch me. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, what I think people don't think about is the fact that every athlete's really, really weird at their core. You know, they're all just super weird people. And so, you know, I'm going to be bold here. And this is a question I got for you. I wonder if you can share one of the weirdest things that has ever happened to you just generally, I'm going to give you complete free reign to think of something and I'm going to see what you got for us. You know, honestly, I don't really think I've had anything weird that's happened to me. Um, I remember I just, I'm just super awkward. Like when anybody like recognizes me, I don't really know how to act at the, uh, at the Arnold. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't the Arnold, the canceled Arnold at, a Joe Sullivan pinnacle. I remember this guy came up to me and he was like, Oh my God, like you, you know, you're Brie, whatever. My daughter loves you. Uh, can you take a picture? And I thought that they were asking me to take a picture of them. And he was like, no, like of them together. <laughs> no, like you in the picture. Like, and so I don't know, I'm just, I'm still not co- super comfortable with being like recognized in public. Like, actually I remember I was, this is when I still lived in like Vancouver, Portland area. I was at work bartending and this guy kept looking at me and was like, can I like help you? Like, do you need a drink? Whatever. And, uh, he was like, did you compete at the U S open? And I was like, yeah. He's like, are you Brioni Terry? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was like just this, it was the weirdest interaction. I don't know, but I've never had anything super creepy happen to me besides like, the normal like weird dms that like every female lifter gets, you know okay, so i've okay i've always wondered this so i chatted with charity wit last season and i we kind of started going into it but like not a ton because i kept getting sidetracked about the titan games yeah. i'm so curious what what the hell do your dms look like like as a female athlete like what what because I, like as a guy i'm like if i get one dm from someone i'm like oh hey like yeah i've I yeah. do lift weights. Like, thank you for reaching out. But I feel like it's a totally different scene for female lifters because guys are so weird. Oh, hundred percent. It ranges anywhere from like unsolicited to advice, uh, unsolicited advice to like just saying, Hey, multiple, multiple times. Or <laughs> uh, I just got one today, actually this morning that asked if I can lift them above my head, just like weird fetish shit. You know, it's like, I'm not your, fetish. Like, don't be weird. Uh, but just like, yeah, stuff like that, where they're asking me, like, how much do you weigh? Or do you think you can lift me over your head? Or can you squat me? Or just like this weird, like asking for feet pics. I just got my first one of those like a couple weeks ago. So I think I've made it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's when you realize that you're famous is people yeah. are like, Hey, send me a picture of your foot. And you're like, oh. yeah, I can only like, I don't even have as big as following as, as someone like charity. So I can only imagine what hers or like even Steffi's DMs look like, like they're horrible. Yeah, no. And, and even like, as I've reached out to people to like chat for the podcast, I'm like, literally in my head, I'm like, how can I ask them to be on the podcast without being weird about it? Literally all I'm like triple guessing. I'm like unsending messages, which is even weirder. <laughs> uh, interesting time to be a female on the internet. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> I mean, I, you've got the positive side of the internet, which allows the connectivity of everyone, but then you've also got the open side of the internet that allows the connectivity of everyone. Yeah. I- I try to keep my timeline very friendly for both genders, you know, like I I don't try to show too much, but you know, you still have to appeal to an audience, especially, you know, as sad as it is to like be kind of bigger in the sport or like be noticed. You kind of have to post some of those racy photos every once in a while. But I, I think my, um, my insights or like my audience is pretty split 50, 50 between females and males and, I interact with a lot more females on my page than I do males. So yeah, yeah. natural, which, which makes sense. Yeah. You know, there, there's a level of comfortability that that's yeah, exactly. easier with that. It's between just talking and someone just hitting on you. But, um, <laughs> I try to, I try to be very approachable. I try to like, uh, message back pretty much everyone that, um, messages me within reason. You know, I try to keep an open line for like females and like, I want to be a role model for females in the sport. I think that having a barbell in every woman's hands is very important. Um, and you can still do it while looking feminine. So that's a big part of what I like to portray. Yeah. Well, that's Meg squats whole thing that I remember, uh, first time I chat with her, it's everyone that should be able to lift a barbell, you know, cause we all have the capability. It's 45 pounds. Yeah. Anyone can pick up 45 pounds unless you have a very severe physical disability. Exactly. So right. I think it's a nice touch. Exactly. Like strength, with females is a beautiful thing. And I think that we need to embrace it and that needs to be a message that gets spread more often. Yeah. Well, and, and this is actually, you know, one, one of the things I really wanted to touch on, you know, what now, whether you like it or you may not admit it, whether you like it or not, you're becoming one of the bigger names in female powerlifting. It's going to, it's going to continue to grow. It's just a natural case. It's terrifying as that is. Yeah. It, it's just, it's going to be the reality is until, you know, you tear your ACL meniscus and blow yeah. out your back, you know, and everything else that's going to happen, yeah. you know, the, the following is going to grow. And so I wonder what, what is it as you envision you know, yourself moving forward, what is it that you really want to achieve in the industry as a whole? Like even outside of your, your total, because obviously we know the records are going to be broken. You know, eventually you're not gonna be able to lift again. You know, what does it look like for you to continue to leave a legacy and, and teach and leave behind even once you stop competing? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To open the floodgates of everything that you can answer. Um, So like the legacy, I guess, for lack of a better word that I want to leave behind is that um, there's beauty and strength that you shouldn't be, you know, afraid to pick up a barbell because you're going to get bulky. Um, I think that weights help, you know, not only in the gym, but out of the gym, you learn discipline, um, grit, you learn that you're not always going to be motivated and that's going to carry over to, uh, things in life that don't have to deal with weights, work relationships, things like that. Um, it'll teach you to be consistent. Um, and not even for just women. I think that, Everybody should get into strength sports. Full spot. Yeah. Full yeah. God, I feel like an idiot. God, I'm so stupid. 
No, it's good. It was doing. You were doing real great until like the last word, and I just saw you just completely lose it. So it's Dude, good. I literally have been glitching so much. I don't even. I could redo that if you want. It's fine. I'll work some magic on it. It doesn't. I'm starting to sweat. Okay. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, let me make sure I miss. I just that you know strength sports they they teach you so much outside the gym when it comes to discipline motivation and i think that everybody should um get into it to some level yeah well and we see especially in strength sports there's there's just such a broad spectrum like you're gonna have everyone from your absolute like freak athletes to joe schmo who realized he's 200 pounds overweight and just kind of wants to get in the gym yeah all of them generally speaking, if they're competing, have the goal of being great. No one goes in to compete. It's like, Hey, I really want to be average. Like I can't wait to place fifth place in my weight class. No, Mm -hmm. everyone wants to go in and and take first. Mm -hmm. What have you found has been the difference between what makes a mediocre athlete who's like, Oh, I want to be great. And then half asses it. And someone who really does go after it, puts the work in 24 seven and does achieve that elite great status. For me personally, um, focusing on myself and what my best is not worrying about what anybody else is doing, making sure that I am literally giving my all every single session. It doesn't matter, you know, if, if that means that I can only do 55% today and I was supposed to do 65% today, it's giving my all not giving up, um, remaining consistent and still doing the things I need to do even when I have zero motivation. Yeah. Well, and, and you've, correct me if I'm wrong, you've started training uh, or coaching athletes at training grounds as well, correct? Yeah. So as you've um, you know, started coaching people at training grounds, um, obviously you've seen people who are willing to put the work in, they're willing to drive, they're willing to be determined, but I'm sure you've also seen people who are stubborn, they're belligerent, they're just annoying athletes to work with. And I think everyone who's coached someone has had to deal with that. And, you know, as even for myself, like as someone who also competes, when I have an athlete that's annoying, I think I start to recognize parts of myself that may be annoying for my coaches. Uh And so I wonder for you, like, what is it, what, what are you learning from your athletes just as much as they're learning for you as you continue to grow? Um, I would say definitely being more disciplined. Um, I've noticed that as I have coached athletes and dealt with the same things that I've given to my own coaches that I am an absolute pain to deal with. Um, so I'm trying to get better than that. I feel like when I'm giving someone like one of my athletes a pep talk, whether it's, you know, the set didn't go right or congratulating them, giving them positive affirmations, it's almost like I'm talking to myself Yeah, and I kind of, that has definitely helped me put myself in check a little bit more, um, you know, stick to the program to do the things that I need to be doing to recognize why certain sessions went bad and taking accountability for that. And that's helped me for sure. So, yeah. Well, so kind of on the back end of this interview, you know, obviously the podcast is called Faith, Fitness, and French Test. Everyone I bring on can generally talk about fitness until their faces turn blue. We we know what it takes to squat. We know what it takes to bench. We know what peaks are. It's all – we've gone over it a million times. Yeah. But, you know, as I've – as I kind of thought about what I wanted this podcast to look like, you know, I, I, I thought about myself raising a very Christian family. I was like, man, like, I wonder what different people's faith walks look like, even as that impacts their relationships, their worldview, and their training. And I never presume anything on anyone. I always preface that by saying that. 
um, because I believe that anyone, regardless of race, religion, creed, sexual orientation, has something positive to offer. And so I wonder for you, as you've trained, as you've learned, as you've grown, and especially, you know, you're still in your early 20s. So obviously, we're both very much on the front end uh, of learning. What, what does it look like, if at all, for your own faith influences to impact how you even view yourself and training those around you? Um, so I didn't really grow up, um, with religion as like a forefront and like our values. Um, like I, I went to, I had, I had a short stint, uh, of going to church. Um, I guess I was raised Christian very loosely. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not really religious now. I believe that there's some higher power. Um, I believe in science, you know, sure. But I well, there's necessarily this big man up in the sky that has all these plans. Right. I'm, I'm very, um, I do believe in fate, but I also am a big believer in making shit happen for myself. Yeah. Um, so being a self-starter, going after the things that I want to do, um, not giving all, all the credit to some dude in the sky, you know, like I think that I am the master of my own fate. So. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, you know, Rob Philippus gave that almost identical answer just a few days ago. Um, and, and, there, and there's truth in that, mm-hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, like, especially with powerlifting, mm-hmm. you go under a bar, it's got, you know, I think of, like, say you go under a bar, it's 518 pounds on a squat. Nobody's going to squat that except for you. Like, no, no, nobody's helping you get back. Like, it, it's up to you to make it happen, you know, and, and there is there's that importance in, in recognizing that that I think the trap that people can fall into, whether they're, you know, Buddhist, Christian, Mormon, whatever, is, oh, this happened to me because blank. And it's like, well, no, this happened to you because you made a conscious decision to do X, Y, Z. And that's, that's again, with like taking accountability for your own actions. Um, There's, there's this quote, and I don't know who it's by. I heard it a while ago, but it's whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's good because ultimately it's the same thing back to these positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. If you consistently say, mm, I'm going to get second, you will get second <laughs> because when the moment comes for you to take first, you're going to get under that bench. And you're going to go, huh? I thought I was going to get second and you're going to do it. So that's a good word. Well, kind of last big question, my personal favorite to ask people, and this was Andrew Herbert's favorite. This was featured on um, the strength project, Mark Bell's um podcast as well no. i'm a big foodie i love food now obviously i weigh 270 pounds so obviously i enjoyed food as a kid i started lifting weight so i wasn't going to be as fat um but you know french toast is kind of my go-to that's why that's why i named it on the podcast it's i love it breakfast food i can have any time of day mm-hmm. for you i i get the feeling by the way you're nodding your head you're excited about this <laughs> what <laughs> when, when you yeah, yeah, dumb bitch juice and food are the two favorite things. When you think of food and you think of like breakfast food, what is the go-to? What what do you have? And if there's no consequences for you eating it as well, it's important to also say. Okay. If I'm not making it because I've tried many times and I can't, even though I think I'm a really good cook. <laughs> if, <laughs> Don't we all? Hey, I am a good cook. I just can't get this recipe down yet. But if I go out, I'm getting some sort of like fancy Benedict, like salmon Benedict, crab Benedict. That is like one of my all time favorite breakfast foods. I'm really, I'm, I lean towards more savory stuff. So if I'm doing savory, I'm doing like 
biscuits and gravy, lots of bacon, a lot of potatoes, sunny side up eggs. I'll do like a little sweet thing, but it's usually like I'll take a couple bites of it. So something like a French toast or pancakes, something like that. Cinnamon rolls are also. Of course. Homemade though. They have to be homemade. I only make homemade cinnamon rolls with like brown butter and oh yeah. So good. See, now I'm getting the feeling later I'm going to get a picture and you're going to say, hey, I actually decided to go make the cinnamon rolls. You just made that face. I'm like, she's going to go and make this later. But actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we're not doing anything else, once again, there's nothing else to do. So you might as well cook. I know. I'm trying to cut weight right now. So it's like, I can't. Oh, yeah. Maybe not. (laughs) I got a little, got a little heavy. So we're. It happens. It's those quarantine pounds, man. It is bad. I'm just a sucker for like pizza and wings. Oh, yeah. Well, literally today, uh, now I'm going to be real nervous. If Ian Daniel listens to this, he's working with me on uh, nutrition. He's going to be real mad when he hears this. But today I was like, man, like I went to go meet a friend for dinner or for lunch. And I said, hey, I'm going to let you choose. And he goes, well, I know this really great mom and pop Italian restaurant. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, it's going to be game over. Went in. You know, I just murdered this pizza, man. And I was like, man, I got to go work out. (laughs) Because I know I just ate 35, you know, something absurd. But Dude, it is. It's a constant he's battle. He's the thickest, most jacked motherfucker I've ever seen. Isn't it bizarre? It's Dude, just bizarre. I met him for the first time in Ohio at the Canceled Arnold at Joe's Gym. And I was just like, this guy is a fucking unit. <laughs> like, yeah. one of his legs is equal to two of mine. It's insane. Yeah, no, it, it's absurd. Uh, I remember the first time I met Ian in person. Like, I'd known him for a few years because so I was with Hybrid for a while. But the first time I met him in person, I was just like, how are you – like, how are your dimensions? Like, <laughs> I was almost, like, measuring because I'm, like, so confused. Our team character. It's insane. Oh. Well, yeah. you know, last thing I got for you, you know, we're – you've gotten to train somewhat, you know, consistently regardless in the midst of this pandemic – But for a lot of people, it's really jumped into their, you know, habits. It's blocked them off from getting to stay consistent, whether it's with work, school, people that were in college, you know, as people are slowly starting to shift back towards normal, what's even your advice from your own personal experience in trying to get back to a sense of normalcy without breaking yourself by overwhelming yourself immediately? Have a plan and start slow for the love of God. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't be going back into the gym, trying to find your new max that you can work your percentages off of. Yeah. Uh, Stay conservative. Maybe start off with something like 60 to 70%, maybe that, that heavy, you know, Um, and just be slow at it. Be consistent. Don't be a dumbass. Don't injure yourself. Hire a coach. If you have no discipline. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, folks, this has just been an incredible conversation with Brianni Terry. You can find her on Instagram at Brianni T. If you're looking to get stronger and you're in the greater Seattle area, you can find her at Training Grounds. If you love that episode and you're craving just a little bit more from me, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast. Well, folks, this was just an incredible conversation with Briani Terry. You can find her on Instagram at Briani T. If you're looking to get stronger and you're in the greater Seattle area, you can find her at Training Grounds. If you love that episode and you're craving just a little bit more from me, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast, or visit us on Instagram at Faith underscore Fitness underscore Podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for the rest of the season. 
we have a brilliant guest list for the rest of the season. So don't forget to turn on your post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and early episode releases. With that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you July 18th with Rob DeSavage Hall.